Welcome to AB Testing Podcast, your modern testing podcast. Your hosts, Alan and Brent, will be here to guide you through topics on testing, leadership, agile, and anything else that comes to mind. Now, on with the show. Bonsoir, aloha. Brent. <laughs> Hola. Guten Tag. Welcome, listeners, to A-B Testing. Todd? Uh, this is not ABT343, but you should be checking those out because they're awesome. They are dis- awesome. Dis- despite me. Despite me. I love talking to people and because I, I realized how unsmart I am. Sometimes when I hang around Brant, my ego gets all like, oh, yeah, I'm really smart. <laughs> and, then I, and then I talk to other people and I realize not so much. Um, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm having a good week. Good. Happy December 12th. No. no. Happy episode 112. Happy, Today is December 5th, 6th, somewhere in there. Happy three days after one step closer to your death. Yep. I turned. Do you know how, you know how old I am? Do you know how old I am? You are 53, I believe. I just turned 50 quattro. Oh, that's fantastic. That is so I close had thought to you death. were three years older than me. Knowing that you're four years older than me just makes things so much better. It is. I am pretty much older than anything. Yeah, so so next you, you, next March you would think, I apply for so tell me, what is the pros and cons of AARP? Uh, it's only pros. Only, oh, pros. only pros. You get it is the most widely the AARP magazine, most widely distributed magazine in the country, because there are so many of us old farts. Now, luckily, the uh, I am just just barely young enough that you cannot okay boomer me. Boomers, are, I'm Gen X. <laughs> They're the generation ahead of me. So screw you and your okay boomer. No matter how crotchety I get. You can't call me a boomer. You can just call me a dick. <laughs> the, so now shut up and pay your mortgage. I have a soon-to-be 18-year-old son, and he has informed me that uh, it does not matter if you are a boomer. You can be okay boomered. So I think you need to I, do a quality check on, on your principal here. Or it could be. That as far as intelligence goes, the leaf doesn't fall that far from the tree. Yes, he is an extremely yeah, not bright very smart kid. Person. I get, I get that. You know some details about this one. This is my, this is my uh, personal challenge, child. And a lot of the times, I would say he is too smart for his own good. Yeah, I remember being 18 when I thought I was much smarter than I like. If I was anywhere close to as smart as I thought I was at 18 to 20, I would I would be a genius. I would be running the world. But here I am sitting in a room with you. Uh, yeah, ditto. All right, uh, 112. Uh, this is our next, our penultimate episode of 2019. Uh, let's just pause there. Yes, Alan said penultimate. He did. Right. Usually, this is monosyllabic or monosyllabic word epi- or uh, I, podcast. Normally, I try. <laughs> normally, I try and speak in a language that you can understand. Right. But I, words. I chose it. I chose a long word because I didn't feel like saying next to last. <laughs> Wait, next to last penultimate. Uh, penultimate is longer. I was stupid. 
Yeah, it's not efficient. I shouldn't have done that. You know what? If I hear one more person use use the word utilize when use is perfectly applicable, they're not synonyms. I am going to just stop and tear their head off, pee into their neck, and go on my day. They are synonymish. Ish. Utilize means to use something in a manner which it normally isn't used for. I'm going to utilize your finger to... Uh, shoot, I didn't, did, I didn't have a good place to go there. Well, I'm going to use utilize my finger. You're going to use your finger <laughs> to look up the definition of utilize in... To make practical and effective use of... Use is one syllable, utilize is three. Stop using the word utilize. Just stop it. You don't need it. You don't sound smarter. In fact, if when you when you say the word utilize, where use would use would work, you sound dumb. Dumb, I dumb, dumb. I wonder if this is it, right? So utilize does appear to be a synonym for the phrase use of. My body effectively I made Utilizes. use. I made use of a screwdriver to hammer in this nail. I utilized the screwdriver to hammer in this nail. That works. Okay. You don't utilize a pencil to write on paper. Where do you stand on the then and than controversy? That's just grammar. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you. <laughs> we have all these idiotic Americans complaining about. Oh, we have immigrants and blah, blah, blah. But they can't even use our own language very well. It drives me nuts. By the way, I tweeted this, and this is the, the political portion of the, of the podcast, and we'll go on. But I didn't – I was busy last week. I was doing Advent of Code. I'm still caught up. I, caught up? I'm caught up in Advent of Code. Nice. Yesterday's was super easy. The day before, I wanted to punch a hole in my computer. That's all I'm going to say. Day five, it's like I couldn't – it took me – at least twice as long to understand the problem I was trying to solve than to write the code. At least. And some people got it right away. But And when them, then when I go back and read it, I go, how did I miss that? It's right there. But it was really, really hard for me to grok. Yeah. You should give our listeners a heads up. Because you announce it every year that you've, you've been doing it for several years. Mm-hmm. I never finish. I get about 10 to 12 days done. Then I Then it gets hard and I find things I'd rather do. And every time you bring it up, I go, oh, yeah, that sounds fun. Oh, he just said he's on day three. So uh, I'm late. Something okay. interesting. Oh. I went to see the, uh, as I mentioned before, the uh, the owner, the creator of Advent of Code. He gave a talk when I was at Oradev. And he talks, a lot of people like make visualizations of the, visualizations of the program, which is kind of cool. This year, someone did, is doing all of the questions in Google Sheets and Excel, all in formulas. There's always someone who can solve the whole problem in one line of Mathematica, a very, very long line. There is a language. Have you heard of a language called Rockstar? No. You should look up Rockstar. Someone did a solution in Rockstar. What was really fantastically interesting is the, the passion of this community in Advent of Code is days two and three, I think, or maybe three and four, two and three, where this, uh, you're programming this int code, this, uh, you get a string of numbers that end up being um, uh, byte codes and instructions. Basically a string of custom assembly that you're trying to send to the robot, write, write an interpreter for it. And then 
someone after learning being taught this this byte code instruction language someone went back and solved the first day's problem using these this fake int code language from day four and five like people are just crazy just crazy i wonder if anyone's ever attempted to to go a whole advent of code doing nothing but turning machines i don't know there are people who try and do a different language every day which i so I have tried to use a different language each year. So when I first did it, I did it in C sharp, which was fun because I didn't, I've written very procedural C sharp, not very good at it, but it gave me a chance to learn a lot of the uh, more object oriented aspects of C sharp and actually use it like a real programmer. That was fun. The next year I did it in Python, which was fun for me to learn Python. I think I've forgotten all of my Python. And then last year I did it in JavaScript, which was interesting. Uh, I don't like JavaScript. I think it's a millennial language because you can write really bad JavaScript and it still works kind of, but you don't really know. It's, it's like, an it, old language, though. No, no, no. To I, me, I think JavaScript no, should just I, die. No, you're, you're missing the point. I think it's no matter what you do, no matter how good or bad you write it. Because I grew up, of course, writing C programming where if you made one tiny mistake, code wouldn't compile. And most of the time you wouldn't know why. So JavaScript's like you get it kind of close and it compiles. It's kind of like the everyone gets a trophy language. Yeah. And then this year I'm I said screw it. I'm just gonna write it in C. C is your, your go to. C and C, yes. I am making massive use of vectors. I find myself entirely disinterested in C C as well as any time I have to be on a team that makes that a requirement. Because the the it's an extremely powerful language. I remember, I remember, I remember like yesterday. When I was a little boy. When I first got the concept of a function pointer. And. Oh. Um, <laughs> oh. Right? And I was like, oh my God, this thing is so sweet. But now it just. I find it slow. I find it slows me down. And I'm trying to go from A to B and spending the extra few days go making sure I'm not doing a mem leak. It's just freaking annoying, when, particularly when there's languages out there. I know. <laughs> I know. It just, it's what I cut my teeth on. And, I, and, I re- and one thing, and we're never going to get to, I have a full board. I actually wrote the, the uh, agenda for today. We're still on number one. And, but we have so <laughs> much to talk about. I feel like it's been more than two weeks since we chatted. Do we skip a week? I don't know. Oh, didn't we have a holiday in there or something? So anyway, yeah. someone was talking on the Slack channel about they had a developer on, they hired a developer who was uh, rock star, and I shouldn't even use the word rock star. And actually, you should look up. This is tangentception. The coffee's kicking in. Uh, one of the reasons the people that developed the rock star language wrote it was so that it could become popular, and recruiters couldn't look for rock star programmers anymore. <laughs> but but l- l- let's say you have a ver- and that er- is awesome. But who? So, so, so a variable could, does that mean people will go in and in their resume put I'm a rock star developer prior to the language being developed or or uh, we're looking for a rock star developer sorry I only know Ruby 
So don't, uh, you can look it up if you want. I have so much stuff to cover. We're going to have to cover some of this stuff next time. That's just going to happen. Yeah. Uh, oh, next time, penultimate episode. Oh, my God, this is awful. Uh, next time we'll do our look back on 2019, some recommendations of cool things we like, and our predictions for 2020. Uh, yeah, so Rockstar, real quick. Uh, one of the variable naming conventions is uh, variables or variables have a proper name like Brent and if I put stuff into Brent and I want to print what's in Brent to the screen I shout it so shout it Brent shout it Brent print it twice oh this is this rock is the rockstar language yeah so the idea is that the language ends up looking like uh, 80s heavy metal rock ballad lyrics <laughs> <laughs> that's Awesome. Yeah, it is. It is good. Uh, anyway, quick story about we saw on the channel this week. Uh, someone hired someone who was really good in one language and and really only wanted to go in that language, but their company didn't use that language. And all they did was complain that they didn't get to use their language that they liked and it would have been easier. And and then I face palmed. And then when I uh, really hard, I was unconscious for a couple hours. And then when I got up, I I made a point that. Today in programming, you have to learn new languages. Like when we interview, uh, it used to be you could interview for a language maybe, but even that that was probably all, always stupid. If you get the concepts of programming, you can learn new languages. I was actually, it's like, um, I was doing an informational just yesterday and um, the woman I was talking to kept on doing self-deprecation. She had a massive amount of confidence around Python um, but did not feel super confident with C sharp. Huh. And I'm like, so? Well, to me, that almost is a sign of a beginner programmer, right? It, it's it maybe even intermediate. Because I'm at a phase where I go, no, I, I am so strong in the, the basic concepts, right? I, I understand OOP, I understand design patterns, I understand functional languages, right? procedural languages are cake, right? Once you understand the constructs, in my humble opinion, you understand every language as long as you have the, the book that tells you what the stupid keyword is for the thing in this language. Yeah, I I am confident uh, through other questions we ask. I look for people who like to learn and usually I hire people who tend to are really good at looking things up on Stack Overflow. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I had, um, so there was a point way back in my Microsoft career when uh, we were doing C and C++ and we have a lot of people coming in and Microsoft more than Unity for sure, but they really milk that college pipeline. So we get a lot of candidates out of college. We still do. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. I had to, I actually had to go to recruiting and say, hey, at one point, this is two years ago now, I said, I would like to hire some students out of college. They go, oh, teams don't usually do that. That's a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of, it's like, what? <laughs> Look, uh, we end up looking, maybe it's a smaller company thing, you end up looking for a lot more unicorn type people. Anyway, I remember way back when, they would program in Java. It's okay. I can read Java. And then for then for a long time, even up to today, it's like Python. Yeah, Python's a good language. That's, that's cool. You can do that. It may be something different later. I would love, if it, I could interview a candidate to do a 
uh, question in Rockstar. That'd be awesome. I had an interview this week. I just did a little uh, phone phone screen. Did a super. Just had someone walk me through something uh, pretty easy. Find a find a missing number in an array kind of question, and they did it in Bash. Okay. <laughs> I get an idea how you think. It's cool. No, no, it's cool. Like um, uh, you do all. You've changed your OS. You do a lot of stuff in in Unix syntax. Um, Bash would be hard for me now. I haven't. So an interview question in Bash would be hard for me because I'd like. But I would never ask unless I was hiring you for a, a Linux sysadmin. I would never ask you a Bash Bash question. No, no, no. I don't. Uh, so certainly, I w- I would turn down writing it. I'm like, yeah, it probably uses keywords, um, but reading it because. So a lot of times when I'm asking coding questions, I'm trying to think ahead of of the candidate so I can figure out where they're heading, what wall they're likely to 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 hit, and then do the the probing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, Bash, I wouldn't be able to do that because. Yeah, oh yeah, I, 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 I can't could, even read it anymore. I, I could follow along. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, I'm going to cross something off there. I'm not sure which one yet, but because uh, obviously we're not going to get everything up there. Sure. What would you What would you like to do? Let's do number two because you promised me shock, surprise, and amazement. Well, I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, so, um, mailbag. Telephone game mailbag. I heard this uh, through the grapevine. I want to call it up as a mailbag and just to get your thoughts. So, there's two questions here, and I'll give them to you one at a time. Okay. One is. We have talked, and I thought we covered this, so we'll cover this quickly, I think, but I haven't heard much or any concrete examples of what we should be doing instead of Selenium testing. Brett and Alan talk a lot about the downsides of choosing Selenium testing. No, sorry, we don't. Sorry, Jason Huggins. We do not. Yeah, not not exactly. No, well, we're talking can, about the downsides you, of doing UI testing. You can, exactly. <laughs> and things that you shouldn't do and why you shouldn't do that. But I feel like there's a missing episode, what to do instead. And I feel like we've covered that, but I'm going to go ahead and cover it quickly. So actually, I'll let you cover it because I've ranted enough about UI automation. So can you clarify our stance on Selenium testing and what we suggest people do instead of Selenium testing? Selenium testing is fine. Selenium is a great framework. Again, don't do UI testing or UI automation. Yeah, the point is, don't try and verify your program logic through the UI. You use the U- you want to write Selenium tests for tests that can only be caught via Selenium tests. Uh, I'm I'm a little bit more flexible than that. I'm not. Uh, if it can be caught at a lower level, let's catch it there. Right, but you can if you can use Selenium. Ultimately, has now become a super flexible framework. So if you can catch the lower level things uh, via Selenium, knock yourself out. I don't care. And the advantage of Selenium... I, I just want to call out, Selenium and UI testing are not synonyms. Correct. Although, the, I believe the majority of people writing tests with Selenium are writing them as your canonical 30-year-old UI test. I do, too. But if we're going uh, if we're going, if we're going to be bashing something on the episode, let's bash the right thing. Selenium's great. UI testing is not, <laughs> or UI automation specifically. Yeah. So instead, if we're asking you to write less or fewer Selenium tests, or sorry, if we're saying don't do UI automation, 
which I've been saying for going on 20 years now, maybe just 15. And we want you either to use selenium the right way or to focus your testing efforts elsewhere. What is that? Well, it's going to depend on your architecture. I have always chosen to turn it into uh, an API test. So most well-designed architectures have a business logic layer that sits in between the the presentation stack and and the, for lack of a better word, the database. Um, so that's where I would go and automate. I would turn it into an API test and then validate that when you call the, as, as an example, the button.click event, uh, the UI update event handler gets called. Yes, typical model view controller. Right. So I did a, uh, and we'll close on this, I did an informal Twitter survey. As you know, as a data scientist, that people that follow me on Twitter probably aren't the most representative sample of testers in the world because I've pissed off the ones that maybe are doing more UI testing. But I did have 150 answers to my survey when I asked, do you mostly write uh, code to automate the UI, non-UI animation, tools that aid in automation, that aid in testing, and other? And 24% code to automate the UI. I believe in the industry that number is higher, but in my survey, 24%. With 35% uh, apiece on non-UI automation and tools that aid in testing which I think isn't bad. I think that 24%, uh, I mean, you're talking to a guy who, I, I, as, as we've talked before, I've been in the, I've been a traditional test manager. I've had to make these, these concrete decisions and several occasions, you, you just discover your UI automation is harming you. UI automation is, uh, we've said this a thousand times before, there's probably not enough tequila in the world to, to drink. UI automation is some of the hardest thing to do yes. and get right. It is a money pit. Uh-huh. The more UI automation you write, if you do not apply your more senior talent to developing the architecture and working with development to make sure um, UI changes are, are, are well handled, um, you always need one more automator. Yes. Because yes. as you write more, the maintenance cost goes through the roof and you, you just can't get to the next set of tests. Whereas the business layer underneath the UI, uh, because dev needs that to be stable, it's so that the UI doesn't constantly have to be rewritten, that just makes a lot more sense. And another question, and this is interesting, I saw this on I did a search a, a year ago, maybe, on modern testing and saw this and ignored it. And then I saw it somewhere else. And I'm going to have you address it, and then I'll address it, and then we'll laugh about it. Uh, you're going to want to hear it first. Oh, let's burn. 
I'll ask it uh, this way. Brent, Alan. is one of the reasons we don't talk about like what to do instead of selenium or enough, is that because are we building ideas or trainings or do we have a startup or a consulting business we're trying to kick off? So, so we're limited in what we can say. Are we trying to hide something? Do we have an ulterior motive? I've heard this. Like, I, oh, I really? the, the quote I read was, "I think Alan has an ulterior motive in talking about modern testing." So I'm gonna. <laughs> <laughs> I told you you'd laugh. <laughs> <coughs> yes, we do. <laughs> we do have an ulterior motive. And, um, and, and what is it? Uh, the ulterior motive is. We wish to save as many people we can from going down the wrong path in their career. We do not make money on this show. We do. We've had we've had uh, sponsors now and again that has always gone back directly into the show. When you join the, one of the three Slack, right? Uh, the stickers that you can ask for that we pay postage on and we pay the stickers on that all came from the ten dollars we got from sponsors the new gear we have um i did develop a modern testing course for ministry of testing plug but if if money comes in from that that also goes back into the podcast we have no consultancy plans uh i think my retirement job may be consulting but I don't even know when that is. It's not. It's not related to this. I may have to. I may have to get a test automation consultancy because it seems to be a lot more of those jobs around than modern testers. Nah, <laughs> when? Oh <laughs> uh, well, it depends on how long it takes. Yeah. So the important thing here is no, we're doing this because we we want to try and help people. We we have some strong opinions we want to share. And we think that they're helpful to some group of people, and that's it. I might even say it a little stronger. Like, you and I have had conversations before around traditionalists. And here, I mean that more generic than just test traditionalism. We're trying to reduce just a little bit of the ignorance in the world. Right. Um, or to spread our ignorance, whatever, however it comes across. Uh, well, <laughs> the, you know, I think back to exploratory testing and the conversations that we had when Visual Studio came out with their version of it and they renamed it to XT. Oh, God. Right. And that it, that's spreading ignorance. It's it's it's, it's just a little bit of look up and you realize that that's just a bad name uh, uh, for me it's all about how do we continue the conversation my motive is is I want to get rid of test zombies people yes. who just continuously they've they've they went through a phase they thought about it and then they stopped I, I want I want people to help advance their own careers and the more we're able to say hey there's an alternative and there is uh and for a lot of really good reasons it is better than what you know and in a lot of places again there was a conversation on the slack channel tipping point may even be nearing 
the 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 nice thing is is that it looks like the tipping point the way the, the way the tipping point towards M MT or something like it uh, it looks like it's going to be more of a boil of the frog action and again going with uh, ulterior motive we're not looking to make any money or fame off of modern testing and what we what I'm seeing a lot of people doing you don't have to call it modern testing and remember it's not that modern and nothing to do really to do with testing it's about how it's really about lean and agile and how to accelerate the achievement of shippable quality I think it's also about measuring what's important. I think it's and, about and, the data and as the, well. And the data, and that's what I was getting to, is like there's l many, many more. Well, apparently a shark has been jumped, but there I see a lot of talks about data and using data at test conferences. There was one at the online test conference recently. I feel like there's an overabundance of talks at test conferences about how machine learning is changing the world. And whether it is or not, that's great. I wish they talk more about using data to get insights instead. But there's a reason I'm on a podcast and not a conference coordinator. So I'm seeing more of these things that are modern testing-ish happen, which is great. And I think they would have happened whether we were talking about it or not. What we try and give is a, a framework that wraps a lot of the things that, or all of the things that we think go into making Software, high quality software that customers love and made by high by high performing engineering teams. I mean, it, it's it's a bit too altruistic sounding to to fit into my personality, but I think we're just trying to make a a better world here. That's way too alt. Uh, that's right. too altruistic it, for both of us. It, it it's in terms of the in, you know lean, uh, agile. Right. Uh, I think what we're doing here is helping to accelerate that tipping point. Yeah, I hope so. I hope yeah. so. It, it keeps the conversation going. Like we said, when people, people, whether people agree or don't agree with the principles, uh, we're happy to have you in the conversation so you can think about it. Uh, I hope that through debate, people at least challenge what they're thinking, and I challenge what I'm thinking all the time. I do this in politics. I never, I'll, I'll skip on my political tweet uh, quote, but. I do try and look at what the other side and try and understand how they're thinking. And I think we should do that in testing as well. Uh, I did tweet last week. I saw a lot of people. I had a conversation on a different Slack channel where all someone did to make their point was to point to links, blog links from a single test blog author. And I don't think that makes a good argument or a good stance. I think you begin to form your own opinions when you can take in input from 10, 20, 30, 40 different sources and figure out what you really think. I don't think it, it makes a stance for yourself when all you do is quote one person. Anyway, ta tangents, tangents. So yeah, uh, that was all about, no, we don't have a business. We have a podcast where we, it's all about trying to be a service to people who listen. One other thing to hit here, a couple questions came up in, not really mailbag, in the Slack channel worth talking about. Uh, let's take them separately. They're kind of related, but separately. One we've talked a little bit about before, but probably worth hitting on again is how does someone, so if we get to a world where there's modern testing and maybe a teams don't have a dedicated testing specialist, 
which again is if you if that happens it'll be obvious that it's the right thing to do we're not trying to tear away testers directly what's a junior modern tester how does someone get started in modern testing and i think you and i are aligned on this but i'm going to ask you uh i think a junior modern tester is uh the same as a junior developer in today's world when when i'm asked this question i go to okay let's say i am going to start up a new startup Um, that's redundant and it's going to be me and five other people and we grow to a point where hey let's start bringing in college hires right what am i going to bring in i'm going to bring in someone who who can contribute but it's going to be a sponge right modern testing is a uh, quite honestly, it's a senior concept. It is. It is. Right. I'm not going to bring in a, mon- a monkey tester. Now, if they show systemic thinking, right, that's something that tests often prides itself on is, oh, oh but testing is all about how to think and how to ask questions. Yeah. Um, you need that talent in, in, yeah, so, in so development as well. You need it in all knowledge work. That's right. the part that drives me crazy. Oh, testers do A, B, and C. Yeah, that's important in all knowledge work. It's not special. No. So what, I, what I'm going to look for is someone who I can train MT on well, uh, and I'm, still deliver high-quality code. And in your startup, you don't need to necessarily train them. It's the culture of the way mm-hmm. your company works. It is. And I have, so right now I have, uh, although we talked about modern testing isn't a role, and I have a couple quality coaches. They help their team. They, they do some testing, but not actually not really that much, depending on, on, on the time of day and the season. But they're helping the team do better testing. If they left, at this stage, I would probably try and replace them. But I also have senior devs in the org who do a lot of quality coaching whether they know it or not i guess the point i'm making is some of the best testers i've known people that that testing mind people that know how to people who have that system thinking and know how to figure out what's going to go wrong and mitigate it they're just the senior devs on the team let's take it a different way okay that's right principle seven says blah 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 knowing that it may reduce or remove the testing specialist i go the other way around and I go, okay, when would I, in that startup scenario, when would I bring in that testing specialist? you have an answer to that one? Because I'm going to start off the other way. I'm going to start off with, nope, the, the ground. You and I are on the same page. So I, Testing I, I, can be taught. I, I would. I would. So yeah. what I tell my manager, I'm, I know I've mentioned this on the podcast, is our development team do all the testing they know how to do. They're not, they're not skipping out on any testing they know of. However, there's some testing ideas, some expansive knowledge that they, they can do more testing. They just don't know what it is yet. So that's what we coach them on. We teach them more things to think about. So they can do more testing and figure sure, out strategy. Sure, but you can send out them to conferences. You can send them to I could. training. So, yeah, and, and, and I'm getting there. So I would bring in a testing specialist when I felt I couldn't scale. It's like, say I didn't have one. And... I guess for the same reason you bring in a, a consultant. I want to bring a coach in because they can't learn the testing they need to learn 
quickly enough for the scale that our business is growing. So I'm going to bring in some help to help them expand that knowledge. Absolutely. So and, that's, that's my answer. And there's things where um, I like to bring up perf testing. Perf testing is hard. That's a specialization, in my humble opinion. You, you can get through a good 60% of it, um, you know, by looking books or doing other such things. But if you really want to nail it end to end, um, someone dedicated to my experience is required. Security testing. I agree on security, maybe not as much on performance. Uh, relative security is, is much more needs a specialization, right? Because even it's a full-time job, even just staying on top of threats. Yes. Architectures. I don't know that I would even bring in one a test architect in, in anymore because there's so much open source. No, 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 no. Yeah. I, although I've been a test architect, as we all know, uh, I do not like that title anymore. It, it reeks of 1990s. Yeah, I have as well. Get rid of the word test and I'm fine with it. Right. To me, it's a good architecture is a good architecture. Yeah. yeah. I, it, it's a remnant. And the only reason we had it at Microsoft was we didn't have a career path for senior testers. So I said, I know we'll make test architects and that'll keep them around. It was fine. It was fun, but that was. Yeah. It created it, its it, own new problems. It, it did. And it was, it's a, it's a solution for a problem that's wrong, long past. All right. One last thing. And I forget the context I brought this up in, but it's worth talking about. David asked in the, uh, also in the Slack channel, lots of activity there. I mentioned as an aside. Oh, I remember. I was I was at a talk or where I heard it, but I heard someone say something to this effect. Oh, CICD, that's the dream. And again, I face palmed and when I regained consciousness a day or two later, I asked I said, CICD I think is the bare minimum. At least CI. And so then David asked, so if that's the bare minimum, and I don't know if I said it's the bare minimum for MT, but it's my bare minimum expectation. I expect teams to have CI, check in, crap happens, it gets tested, it gets failed, it gets pushed back. What other sort of assumptions, what's the baseline for a team ready to adopt modern testing principles? And this is probably a lot more than we can cover in six minutes, but we'll do our best. First off in CICD, I just want to address I, I see. I see where where David's coming from. Uh, I I have models that I ship to production now on a weekly basis, and it took one of my developers nearly the last six months to build a CI/CD pipeline. Then it it for for the because building uh, a model isn't actually a Build the way right. you're used for, to. For it. those of you not watching the uh, live stream, I'm, make, <laughs> I'm making a face. You're like, what? There's two words after what, but yeah. <laughs> the, and then there's the other aspect. So you go, what I want you to do is outside of teams, think through the other teams that you had been on. Mm -hmm. Right? Xbox. I've spent time in Xbox. Um, uh, Bing's the best I've ever been on on CICD, but if if you're a custom, if the current practice 
is miles away from CICD, it feels untenable to, to even bring that up, right? It, it, just just think of dysfunctional forking it's structures such you've a, seen. It's, but yeah. So maybe the minimum is a just a minimum quality culture, and I gotta My quantify point on that. Somehow. Is it's not just text. We we talked about it before. When you need to no, make a it, change, it, it you is. gotta change the people, the process, and the text. Right. It, right. And it's, when you start going into long-standing process changes, those can be brutal and hard fought. When I was way back when I worked on Windows CE. Didn't you work on Windows CE also at some point when I uh, wasn't there? I worked with Windows okay. CE. So I was on we had before we there was even a name because the CICD book from Jez Humble and crew is just ten years old now. So this is way before then. So we didn't call it that, and I won't. It wasn't certainly it wasn't continuous deployment. But we when people checked in, we were a check in system, a check in gate. What we wanted to do was run some static analysis checks, run a small set of tests, and then 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 merge the code on their behalf. Pretty common. Pretty common. That's that's kind of the way CI works today. We deployed it. So this guy Marty and I wrote this tool. At first, for the first two weeks, we got more than a few dozen emails a day with titles like Slate rhymes with hate. Slate was the name of our tool. Because people didn't also like rhymes with great. I check in my code, and then my then I want to sync it to my other dev machine, and I can't because it's going through Slate. And Slate took embarrassingly like an hour, which wasn't that bad—an hour to finish. We had it on some running on some beefy machines, and oh, somebody else broke something, and it, and it blocked my change from getting in, and and we're blocked, we're, we're blocked. So we the same things you hear about uh, early stage CI today. Mm-hmm. And we dealt with it. We made some tweaks. We fixed the process a little bit. We kept on going. We didn't turn it off. We just dealt with it. And what was great was like with that was like within the first two weeks, within a month, we started getting mails like, I don't know how we ever survived without this before. And all kinds. It just you you have to people talk about the people part, uh, introducing a process using the tech to introduce a process can cause the people to freak out. I hit all three of your piece there. Mm-hmm. And it takes some leadership to get through that. So I would say another min bar, another minimum thing is you have to have people willing to disappoint people at a level they can absorb, uh, which is one of my definitions of leadership, and be able to take the heat for that and hold their ground and and make good decisions which is another thing every leader i've ever respected is excellent at making decisions they're not like looking for consensus on everything they can take the data they have and make a decision so if you have a good leader who's not afraid to disappoint people and can make decisions based on what's coming in and tweak the processes needed to make it work and and persevere uh that it's kind of that sounds like kind of like a high bar but you have to have some leadership in place that knows how to facilitate change in order to move to modern testing it can't happen if your team is a bunch of zombies no, no, uh, and and that would probably be another min bar. We should probably go into this more in depth in Not, twenty in twenty twenty. In twenty, we have a full agenda for next time, which which involves me doing the one time a year I do prep when I go back and listen to the end of show end of your show last year. Oh, do you? At one and a half speed. Oh, fair enough. You know what? I watched one of my. I can't watch my own talks, but I watched one at one and a half speed, and at one and a half speed, I'm pretty good. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, I'll have to try that. 
All right. All right. Anything else? No. Okay. We're going to go with that. Uh, keep your questions coming. Thank you, three, the community. And we'll see you in there. Brent has something to say. Yeah. The, the, if you are not on the Slack channel, get on the Slack channel. Yeah. Lots of good discussions. It's, uh, uh, it's, you, it's can go, you can go to moderntesting.org and there's a link there. I, I just adore the three. Right. There's a book club going. People are helping review other people's blog posts. People are posting decks. And and we have uh, tacos. Oh, the the tacos are great. Yeah. All I, right. I got promoted. I th- I don't know. I got a I, taco promotion. I got to check my taco stats. <laughs> All right. Uh, aloha. Au revoir. See ya. <laughs>